Come on, let's welcome Chapel Downtown. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, you can high-five two people. You can high-five two people, and you can be seated. And you can be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? I want to look at the back of the room at the camera and say welcome. Good morning, Chapel Downtown. We are so excited about all God's doing uh, there at our building in the fan. And we've just begun. The company has uh, renovating the space for our new location in Scott's Edition in 2020. So they're starting to move walls and make that happen. It's going to be an amazing next year for our downtown campus. And uh, got some pictures of the worship gathering. I know you guys are having an amazing morning. So pumped about what God's God is doing there. I want to just give you uh, one quick announcement as we're diving in today, and that is uh, at this campus, and that is that I let out the 815 service just a minute late, so I'm sorry for the parking, but um, also this is the time of year when, when some new people are checking out the life of our church, and so I just want to let you know the best service of the weekend is at 815. And uh, somebody said, I heard that sometimes you give them like free food and extra things. And, and we are not above giving you Jesus and breakfast sandwiches. And so they get extra stuff. And somebody said, why do, why do we give them extra stuff? How many kind of get it? Because if you come to church at 815, Jesus loves you. Here's some bacon, right? And so just be thinking about that if that works for your calendar as well. We're, we're uh, looking at adding some things here in the lobby for overflow space as well. But uh, honored to have you here this weekend. Also wanted to let you know downtown and south that on the way in you should have gotten a worship guide and we're doing something a little different this weekend for this month and that is we've got some teaching notes in there so if you'd open up that worship guide that would be absolutely great and uh, also if you're here this weekend I know because sometimes we don't include those in the in the worship guidance so you're like I didn't get one at either campus just raise your hand and some of our hosts will give them to you so if you need a pen or a, a, or a worship guide you didn't get teaching notes come on don't be ashamed I know some of you just came right in and we're going to come and they're going to hand those out this weekend as we get started. So just raise your hand as some of our hosts are coming down on all these sides here and we're going to dive in to a brand new uh, teaching series. I want to tell you one other thing and then we're going to dive in is um, at both of our next step areas at both campuses, we have a little binder for you. If you want to like keep these notes all in one place, we just have a binder for you. You can take that for free. You've already paid for that with your uh, generous giving and so you can take one of those on the way out. The only thing I ask is that these binders have clips on them and I don't want to I don't want everyone to show up next week and just clip 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 because I will lose my ever-loving mind you know and so uh, we, we got a little pocket in those binders for you to put the notes in there and then after we say amen and are on our way out you can clip it in the notebook but if you're like me I kind of geek out at writing down things and I believe uh, note takers are history makers and so we want to give you an opportunity in this series to uh, to take notes and our hosts are still coming through so just hold your hands up and they'll They'll get those out. Um, but man, we're, we're going to start and deal with this topic of anxiety. And the word anxiety in Latin literally means to choke. And, and that's the idea. Anxiety squeezes life out of us. And uh, there are probably different ones of us this weekend that, that deal with anxiety more than others. But, but probably all of us know what it's like to be worried every once in a while. And some of you are like worried all the time, right? And I've heard preachers say, well, worry is a sin. And I thought, well, now I'm worried and I'm guilty. Hey, uh, 
So I don't, I don't want to guilt trip you, but I, I want to talk to us uh, for this next few weeks. And it's a great series or a series that are really good to invite someone to be with you. Uh, but it's a great series. I think that's going to deal with our internal world, our emotional world and how we deal with anxiety and learn to replace it with trust in our life. And maybe you say, well, I'm not anxious, but, but if you answer like a question, like, are you laughing less than you used to? <laughs> Um, would the people around you describe you as increasingly negative and critical? Uh, do you see problems in every promise and the negative in every possibility? What can go wrong? Do you magnify the negative and dismiss the, the positive? And, 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 and how do you deal with just stress and anxiety? If you, if you feel any of those things, then maybe you deal with stress and as I've been praying about this month, what God wants to say to us as a church and what God wants to say to our community, I've been looking at a few statistics and I've realized that our country has a massive crisis when it comes to anxiety. Um, in fact, the National uh, Mental Health Association describes anxiety or phobia-related mental illness as the number one problem for women and as the number two problem for men behind alcohol is anxiety. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but we used to, as a country, spend about $900,000 a year on anxiety or phobias, and now we're up to $2.1 billion a year. About 50 million Americans, that means one in six, is dealing with medication that helps deal with or manage the issues of anxiety. And it's even infecting our kids, okay? I was reading some studies, and our kids are all stressed out, and... In fact, the National uh, Mental Health Association gave this quote, it was shocking to me, that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. I want you to just think about that. With all the advances in technology, I was talking to my mom the other day, like, remember the days when you'd send me off to the park and you couldn't get a hold of me for six hours, you know? Now if my daughter doesn't text me back in 11 minutes, I've called 911, you know what I mean? And you'd think that would add to our security, but there's a sense of, of anxiety even in our students. In fact, I read a crazy statistic that people who move to the U.S. from third world countries experience an increase in anxiety when they get here. So I want you to think of this. All of us look at people in third world countries and say, oh, that must be so hard to live with all the benefits. And, and why don't you come over to the land of the stars and stripes has become the land of stress and strife. That's just the truth. And they come here and they get more jacked up with worry and anxiety. In fact, I don't know if you know this, we actually pay to be anxious. Where are the people that love horror movies? Come on, I know you're weird. Come on, raise your hand, okay? I remember as a kid for the first time ever seeing the epic horror movie Jaws. I wouldn't even go in my friend's pool all summer, okay? I was like, mm -mm, I ain't even going near water, you know? We go, we go to the theme park to go on roller coasters. We actually pay money saying what I really need today is just more anxiousness. So hang me upside down, spin me around, keep going, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I've been on some theme park rides where the guy running it, he don't look like he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? And you're like, I've trusted my life to that guy. And, uh, and he, he just comes by and picks up on your seat just a little bit. And I'm like, I'm pretty heavy. And Feels like I'm just shaking it myself. You know? <laughs> Man, we all know what it's like to deal with anxiety. And let, let me just start with kind of this working premise this week. And I think anxiety comes with life, but I really believe it doesn't have to dominate your life. 
And so if you're here this weekend and you're like, I don't know how to manage anxiety this whole month, we're going to look at what the Bible says about how do we deal with this, this anxiousness and how do we replace it with peace and how do we go after all God has for us. And maybe the most famous verses in the Bible are about anxiety in Philippians chapter 4. Let me, let me show you them together. The Bible says, don't worry about anything. Now, to be honest, when I read this this week, I thought I would rather it says worry less. Or th this I find overwhelming. Hey, guys, hey, don't worry about anything for reals. You know, like, wow, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace. Look at this which exceeds anything we can understand. It's beyond our comprehension. Look what he says about this peace. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you something this weekend. How many people wouldn't mind trading in your anxiety for God's peace? I'm going to try that one more time. Downtown, help me out because they're not helping me. Uh, how many would trade in your anxiety for God's peace this weekend, right? Like, like that sounds good. So how do we do that? Let's dive in. And, and just a few verses before Paul tells us not to be anxious, he, he says something interesting in verse 4. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And then to just make sure we get it, he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Have you ever had a parent repeat something to you? You know what I mean? They're like, I want to make, I want to, I want, my mom would say, I want to explain this to you. You know, I'd be like, you've explained it a lot, you know. Paul says, listen, if we're going to deal with anxiety, it's got to start with, with rejoicing. He says, I'm going to tell you this, always be full of joy. And I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Now, before we begin this morning, I want to give you the picture of where Paul's writing this. Because I think sometimes you could read a Bible verse like this and you could be like, oh, that's just a Bible verse. How does it really connect with my life and my struggle and my situation? Like in my world as an, as an old book and, and surely the Bible writers don't know what I'm dealing with. But the guy who wrote this part of the Bible, his name was Paul. And he's the most famous early follower of Jesus. He wrote a bunch of the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. And as he writes this, these words, I want to tell you where he's writing from. He's not writing from uh, uh, some tower. He's not writing from some seminary. He's writing from a Roman prison. He's in the dungeon darkness of a Roman prison. And as he writes these words, the chains dangle off his wrists and run across the paper that he writes these words. And he actually says earlier in this book, he doesn't know if he's going to live or die. The, the, leader, the leader of the then known world, Nero, was killing all kinds of people. So he says, I don't know if I'm going to live or I don't know if I'm going to die. How many think if you're in prison, you don't know if someone's going to kill you, you, it would be okay to complain? Anybody, right? Like I complain when they're out of carbonation at the tank, at the soda machine. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I need my Diet Coke people and I need the right carbonation. Can I get a witness? And, and Paul here writing uncertain of his future, chains dangling from his wrists, trouble in the church, not knowing if he's going to live. He reminds us that we have a reason to rejoice. And let me just say this. If you and I are ever going to get rid of anxiety in our life, it's got to start with, here's the first thing. It's got to start with celebrating God's goodness. How many know you have reasons to be thankful this weekend? Anybody? Yeah. You have reasons to be grateful. All of us do. And we can choose what we focus on and what we fixate on. And Paul says one of the things that helps expel, expel anxiety from our life is when we learn to celebrate God's 
goodness, okay? You say, well, what do I have to be thankful for? Well, how many know we're, we don't live in a perfect country, but we live in a good country? Anybody say amen, right? And Alabama football won yesterday. Can I get a, a amen? And, and, and okay, War Eagle, sorry about that. Um, ushers, help him. And, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and we live in a land of freedom. And how many are alive this weekend? Hello? In the back? Come on, somebody. If you can feel that little, that little, then you, your, your lungs are right now filling with oxygen. The four chambers of your heart are pumping blood. Popeye's has introduced a chicken sandwich that somebody cares about, and you have a reason to be thankful, huh? You, hey, by the way, uh, side note, do you know when you get Popeye's chicken sandwich? On Sunday, because Chick-fil-A's closed. <laughs> just saying. Paul says in our life, we have a choice of whether or not we'll fixate on the problem or fixate on the solution. And he says from prison, chains on his wrist, uncertain of his future, I'm going to choose to rejoice. And I'm telling you to as well, or you could put it this way. Don't meditate. Don't meditate. Come on, help me out. This screen stuck. Don't meditate on the mess. Like, don't meditate on the mess. Like, I can choose whether or not I fixate on the problem or whether or not I fixate on the solution. In fact, maybe just write this down. I think it's true that, that the more you stare at the problem, the bigger it gets. And Paul could just stare at his chains and stare at his future and be uncertain of what's to come, or he could trust God in the middle of it all. In fact, there's a great story. We won't look at it this weekend, but if you get a chance to read it, it's in Matthew 14 of Jesus walking on water. And one of his followers, Peter, says, if it's you, Jesus, let me, let me come out of the boat. And he actually steps over the edge of the boat onto the water, and Peter starts walking on water. And the Bible says that when, Jesus was look, or when Peter was looking at Jesus, he was able to walk on top of the water. But then, because it was a storm going on, he looked down at the wind and the waves and he got fearful and he began to sink. I want you to just catch that principle from God's word. When we stare at the wind and the waves and the storm and the stuff around us, rather than God's faithfulness, we sink. But when we look up at the face of our savior, Jesus, and trust him, he helps us through. So I'm not asking this weekend if you have reasons to be anxious. We all do, right? We all have reasons. I'm asking you to just celebrate the good things. When Katie and I, uh, I was going to say when Katie and I got pregnant, but I wasn't. When she got pregnant, we, uh, we went to tell her family about um, the great news and her, her grandpa was a dairy farmer in upstate New York and he, he was a very pessimistic man. And so as everybody was finding out about the pregnancy, everyone's jumping up and down and crying and happy. They can't wait uh, for a new little one. And uh, Homer, her grandpa, is sitting in the corner of the room just quiet. And I thought he was mad at me. And I was like, well, you know, we're married. What do you want me to do? You know. Uh, um, so we kind of made our way a, a minute later when no one was looking at him and said, hey, isn't this great, Papa? Like, how, how you feel? He says, it's an awful time to bring a kid into the world. Well, thank you. Uh, oh, can I finish my cake first or 
And I said, what do you mean it's an awful time? And he said, well, you don't understand the world the way it is and nuclear weapons. And so I just said to him, you know, he, he actually passed away at the age of 104. So I said to him, I said to him, you lived through some tough times. What do you mean? Not like today. And I said, well, um, let's rehearse them. World War II. I'm just saying it's worse than Desert Storm. I'm just saying. Gas lines, depression. And I started rehearsing all that he had been through. And by the end of it, he said, well, I guess it's fine. You could, it's, your, it's your decision to bring a baby into this world. And I said, well, it would be just fine, you know. And thank you. I can't, here's where we registered, Target. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just saying there are always reasons to stare at that are challenges in life. And you and I choose in our life whether we fixate on the problem or fixate on the solution. I'm just saying one of the keys the Bible teaches to getting rid of anxiety before he goes on to pray is you're going to have to learn to be a person of rejoicing. You're going to have to lift your joy level. You're going to have to become a person that encourages yourself, encourages others, isn't, isn't, isn't grumpy, isn't, no, 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 no. We want to be people that are, that are filled with celebration. And then Paul describes what we can do from there. He says this, Philippians 4. He says, hey, friends, you don't have to worry about anything. Let me tell you a better way. Instead, you can pray about everything. You can tell God what you need. You can thank him for all he's done. Look, look, at, look at this second thing to get rid of, rid of anxiety. Not only celebrate God's goodness, but you want to ask God for help. How many are grateful that you have a God that at any moment... You can dial him up and he answers. Like you text him, he replies. And Paul says, hey, you can bring all your concerns and all your struggles and all the things that you deal with in life and you can push them towards God. In fact, I really believe this, just write it down, that fear triggers either despair or prayer in our life. When you and I face struggle, we'll either get despairing, oh, nothing can fix it, no way, or we'll learn to be people that bring our problems to God. And God wants us to bring our problems to him. He enjoys them. He, he invites them. So he says, hey, instead of worrying, I got a better way. What if, you, what if you asked God for like the specific things that you're dealing with? This was the first week of school. And so I've got a rising sixth grader and a rising ninth grader. So one going into middle school, one going into high school. So there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in my house. And a couple days in, my, my son Carter was doing so good, but he looked a little discouraged and and so I said, what's wrong, buddy? And he said, well, I have a math review sheet, and I'm, I'm not doing good with, with math. And so Katie and I had worked out a deal early in this school year that she's going to help all the kids with their English homework, and I'm going to help them with their math homework. And you would assume that that means I'm good at math. That's not true. She's just exceptionally poor at it. <laughs> so I'm the default. Uh, and so he, I said, listen, you don't need to worry about math. Your dad's got you. This is my, if you stick with me, sixth grade math, I got you. Give me the sheet. Bring it in my office. Here we go. Close the door. Sit down. This is no problem at all. There's nothing to worry about. And he slides the paper in front of me. And I realized that I've forgotten how somehow my brain could not remember long division. So I said, I need to use the restroom for a second. 
How many are thankful for YouTube tutorials? Come on, somebody, I'm in the bathroom with my headset on, like, how do you do line? Uh, okay, so I come out, hey bro, I got you, this is nothing. Showing you how, you see, you stick with your dad and there will be no problems. How many are grateful that when we don't understand and we don't comprehend, we have a father who we don't interrupt, but who welcomes us to partner with him, right? And what happens when we pray is this. I love this. Peace happens when people pray. Come on, say that with me. What? What? Peace when that's what happens because I give my needs to God. One translation literally says the word requests, which could literally be translated this way, itemized requests. So I'm bringing to God my list of things that I'm nervous about. And I'm saying, God, it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. And I'm unloading them off my shoulders onto yours. I'm asking God for help. And then that, that leads us to do this. It leads us to do this. It leads us to leave our concerns with God. I have great news this weekend. You can resign as ruler of the universe. Isn't that good news? I don't know about you. I'm a kind of a get it done person. I'm a, let's do this. I got you. Come on, let's accomplish this. And if I'm not careful, I start to think, okay, it's all like on me. I can handle it. Like, I, in fact, I'm a horrible, whenever Kitty drives, I just sit in the car in the passenger seat and I tap the window, like turn right here, turn left. And she's saying like, I, stop it right now, you know. Here, here's what Paul says, when we take our concerns to God, we can leave them there, right? We drop them off and we back away and say, I, I love this thought, God, it's your problem. It was mine, now it's your problem. And look how he tells us to give our concerns with God. I love this. He says to do it with what? Help me out, with what? He says, hey, don't turn into a grumbly prayer. You ever pray with somebody that's grumbly? God, the world is bad and it's horrible. and There's a lot of things going on in the economy. It's surely headed down and kids nowadays and the world. And, a, and by the time they're praying, you're depressed. Anybody, right? Paul says, if you don't season your praying, not just with requests, but with thanksgiving, you'll be a grumbly kind of person. And so he says to have a rhythm of thanksgiving in our praying, a rhythm of gratitude, a, a rhythm that brings our needs to God. I, I really believe this is true, that anxiety and gratitude cannot share the same heart. So one of the things that destroys anxiety in our life is actually thanking God for what he's already done. Even though he hasn't solved the future problems, it's recognizing what he's already done, how faithful he's already been, all the times that he's already showed up so that I don't have to worry in this moment because I have great news, friends, the God who showed up big league and, and showed up in a big time way in my past will be faithful in my future. Anybody thankful for that this weekend, right? Like that's the hope we have. And what, what gratitude does is it destroys anxiety in our life. It, it, it pushes it out. It, it teaches us to, to lean into God, to be thankful people, to be people full of gratitude. It seasons our praying so that we're not just so focused on our problems. Man, when we pray problem-centered prayers, we, it, it, like almost gratitude is the only thing that can enter God's presence. I think grumbling doesn't. In fact, I want you to know this, that one of the reasons we sing upbeat songs on the weekend to start is because the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Do you know if you complain, you're not even allowed in God's presence? God's like, nope. 
But when you get thankful and grateful and appreciative of all that God's done, it, it destroys the doubts around us. And it fills us with faith so that by the time we get to the questions and get to the concerns, we have faith for them. So I have good news this weekend. Leave your concerns with God. In fact, Peter says, cast all your cares on him. That means toss it that way. Push it that way. Like, like give all your concerns to God. It literally is a, is a fishing term from the ancient world where they take the nets and they'd cast them over the, over the, edge, of the, uh, of the edge of the boat so that they would go down. It's us literally going like this, God, your problem, your issue, your concern. I'm done carrying it. I'm going to trust you, right? And he says, once we do that, it starts to help us think different. Let me show you this, verse 8. We can't get totally into it, but let me just explain it. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He's going to write, actually, 15 more verses because he's a preacher. So when he says one final thing, he says that a few times. And uh, one final thing, fix your what? Come on, somebody, help me out. Fix your what? Let me just say this. You'll never beat worry without thinking different. You, you, it's not just praying, it's also thinking. So he says, give your request to God. God's going to give his peace to guard your heart and mind. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But then he says, you're going to have to then, with an open mind, replace anxious thoughts with thoughts fixated on the goodness of God. So look what he says. Fix your thoughts on what is what? What is what? True. And what is what? Honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of pray here's what he's saying here's what he's saying it's number four there on your teaching notes it just he's saying listen if you're going to kill worry in your life you're going to have to meditate on good things you're going to have to rehearse good things you're going to have to rehearse the truth of God, not be someone that ruminates on the problems and the past, but the faithfulness of God. I really believe that a mind filled with truth has little time for peace-destroying, joy-interrupting thoughts. And so he says, you got to think different. Think different. Or, or just put it this way, we are what we think about. Hey, we are what we think about. Years ago, uh, my dad was going in for knee surgery, and um, he's always been anxious with anesthesia. And so uh, we were going in, we were in the pre-op room with him, and uh, how many know there's no small surgery when it's done on you? I learned that, you know. And uh, it was so funny because the nurse that was there in the pre-op room said something about his left knee, I think it was, and he was like, no, it's my right knee. And she was like, well, on the form here, it says we're going to operate on your left knee. So I think you're wrong. And he was like, I know which knee has hurt me for a decade. And so they're arguing over what, how many know you're, you're, you're getting nervous when they're about to put you down? I mean, put you out, sorry. <laughs> they weren't going to put him down, but going to put him out. 
and they tell you it's the wrong knee, right? So he's like, no, and so they're arguing back and forth, and she's like, well, I'll go check the other form, and she comes back and says, that is right, and so this is making my dad very nervous, and his blood pressure's rising, and so the nurse actually says, sir, you need to relax, and he says, well, I'm trying to relax, but you're going you're gonna to operate on the wrong knee, and I'm not going to be there, you know, and I was like, I can go in with them, and they didn't want me to, in the operating room, and and so f finally, he's anxious and his blood, and sir, if your blood pressure doesn't come down, we can't even do surgery today. And this is not a lie. K Katie was there. My mom is standing like three feet from my dad. His name is Ted, just going, Ted, relax. Now I'm telling you, relax. Your blood pressure's up. It doesn't need to be up. You're not going to get, she, she just, relax. And he's going, okay, I can't relax. They're going to operate on the wrong knee. And I was like, we need to operate on a lot right here, you know. <laughs> and finally, the nurse, my dad was like, I don't know, this doesn't seem right. And so she actually brought a marker in. This is how high tech. And on the knee that he was not having surgery, she just wrote, no. <laughs> and that's so good. No. And all of a sudden, his blood pressure just started going down. He's like, I love that. No. I was like, here we are in a billion-dollar hospital in a Sharpie with the word no is how we're figuring this thing out, you know. And they said, sir, your, your blood pressure is coming way down to, to write what it should be. And he said, well, I'm glad we got that worked out, you know. Correct. He said, because we got that worked out, now I got no on my knee. Now I know when, when I'm out that you won't operate on the wrong knee. And so, so he's starting to feel good about that conversation. I, I just wrote this down this weekend because I think it's true. You can't control your circumstances, but you can control how you think of them. So he chose to say, hey, that confusing circumstance with my knee now has no written in marker, permanent marker on my knee, so that when I go out, they're not operating on the wrong knee, so that I have to come back anyways for the second operation. So I'm going to choose to see it good, you know. How many know a lot of times in our life, the problem isn't what happens to us, it's how we see it, right? Hey, let me say this this weekend. Your problem might not be your problem, but how you see your problem. Have you ever been worried about something and then you think to yourself, well, well, when I really think about how bad it is, it's not so bad. I was doing a wedding yesterday in South Boston, Virginia. I don't know if you know where that is. It's a couple hours west of here. And I love driving to little towns because the speed limit goes from 60 to 45 to 25. You know, at 25, after you've been driving 60 the whole way, you, you feel like you're in reverse, you know. <laughs> and I just had this anxiety. There were so many speed traps. I know in these little towns, they, they're just trying to, like, fund the town. And I was like, I'm, I've got too many tickets. And so Katie's like, you're really going 25. I've never seen you go 25 before. I actually would take naps and then wake up, you know. I don't know, it just made me tense. I don't know, it just made me tense. Oh, these 25, I don't know, they're going to get me in the speed trap. I've gotten too many tickets lately. I don't need any more. Oh. Man, I, I was thinking, how many times in our life we just get anxious for stupid things? She's like, you're just driving all stressed out, you know? And I'm like, well, you could drive and let the man of God rest. And uh, You know, we can't control our circumstances. Paul's in prison. He might die. But he actually says something amazing. He says, two things could happen. I could get let out of prison. That'd be good for the church because I could encourage you guys. I'd see you. But they could also kill me. Now, wouldn't you expect the second one? I could get out. We could see each other, do church together. Woo wouldn't you expect the they could kill me to be like, that would be sad, right? You'd expect that. Hello? Hello? 
Yeah, like they might kill me, but that would be even better because then I would be with Jesus. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So it doesn't really matter. If they let me live, I'm gonna get around preaching to the church. That'd be really fun. If they kill me, I'm gonna be dancing in heaven. How many know when you have a perspective of joy and thanksgiving, it pushes out anxiety and worry, right? And you, you can't control your circumstances, but you can control how you're gonna see them, how I'm gonna fixate on them, how I'm gonna think about them, how I'm gonna ruminate on them, how I'm gonna get caught in the wrong way. And Paul tells us these four things that help us kill worry in our life. Let me just show you them. You celebrate God's goodness, right? You ask God for help. You leave your concerns with him and you meditate on good things. How many know what that spells? Calm. Isn't that creative? Yeah. So I want you to do something with me this week. And I want you to take in a deep breath. Come on, deep breath. Hold it. Come on, breathe it out. Come on. Hey friends, God's in charge. He's sovereign over the universe. He's ruler over your tomorrows. He created the seas and the mountains. The Bible says he put the oceans in their place and provided their boundary. He created you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. All the days ordained for you were written before one of them came to be. God is in your tomorrow. God is in your next week. God is in your next month. The problem that seems big to you is not big to him. And I believe this weekend as we cast our cares on him, friends, as we push our anxiety on him, the peace of God. Anybody want that this weekend, right? Like the peace of God can come and can take over our hearts. In fact, the word guard your hearts in Philippians 4 actually means Paul's looking outside his prison cell and he sees the, the Roman soldier there. And it literally means to guard your heart, to a garrison, a Roman soldier. He says, you know, the peace of God, like that soldier guarding me, peace of God comes and it stands at the front of your heart and mind and says, anxiety, you have no place in here. Worry, you have no place in here. The peace of God comes from the God of peace. And we're here this weekend not to magnify our problems, but to magnify our God. Hey, catch this and then I'm done. I found this to be true about God. When I focus on my problems, sometimes my problem seems big and my God seems little. But when I focus on God, what happens is I realize my God is big and my problems are little compared to him. So when the Bible says magnify the Lord, it doesn't actually mean that we make God bigger. It just means in our own minds, we've been thinking he's too small, he's too insignificant, he's too puny. We've been putting man-sized human thoughts on God that don't deserve to be on him. Because when I realize how big God is, strong God is, capable of God, who, uh, capable God is, it puts my worries into place. And we realize, friends, we have a great God. Hey, friends, I have great news this weekend. God is big. God is strong. And because of that, our worries can wash away and can be replaced with faith. Come on, somebody celebrate with me this weekend, can we? God's good plan for us. God's good plan for us. I'm going to pray for us this weekend, and then I'm going to turn it back over to downtown, and then we'll close our services. So, God, I pray for every worry and every anxious thought, for every circumstance in these rooms this weekend, God. 
that feel big to us, but they're nothing compared to you. I pray, oh God, that those would be chased out of our hearts. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that peace would flood people's minds, that peace would flood people's hearts, that we would cast our cares on you, not anxious for anything, but with thanksgiving, we'd give our needs to you. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn it back over to downtown.